Hey, Theo, uh, I have this story I've been working on. Do you mind if I run it by you to just to see how it sounds? Uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. All right. <clears throat> it was a dark and stormy night. Oh, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> We're like babes in the wild. Gordos <laughs> <laughs> in the landscape of the mind. It's going to be so subversive. They're going to love it. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> <laughs> she was like a sad cactus. I'm sorry, but I want to be able to see out of my knuckle hair. You, you've opened my eyes. <laughs> we are a hive mind. We are one. Oh, hey, little nepotiz. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's upsetting. Say the word. You know the word. <laughs> it's wackadoo. Good evening, listeners. Welcome to another episode of A Matter of Taste. My name is Theo. I'm here with Ian. Hello! And uh, we are here uh, this evening to discuss the subject of horror writing. Um, from, from actually the writer's perspective, as opposed to, you know, a reader or, you know, more literary crit perspective. This is probably more of a discussion about the process, that kind of thing. Is it what mm-hmm. you were thinking? Because that's what I kind of had in mind. Yes, that, that was what I was thinking too. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking so, like, hey, I've, I've tried writing horror a few times. <laughs> I've attempted it, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so we're we're here talking about horror writing. Uh, I don't know, like any um anything you had in mind to try and uh, try and get us started. Your 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 most infamous story is a <laughs> horror story. Yes, and if for those who aren't familiar with it, I did record last Halloween. I I recorded it as a sort of audiobook in four parts for the podcast. Uh, the story, It's Cold in This House, which I wrote when I was like 14 and then edited it before college because I was trying to get into the alpha writing workshop thing, but I didn't make it into that. Uh, and then I read it for our, uh, secret potato adventure writing club in college where now, it, you were, the other day we were throwing around, uh, I, I was talking to Vic, and we were trying to figure out what other names did we use. I remember, I remember Turtle Monster, but I could not, for the fucking life of me, remember <laughs> another name that we used. One of them was Secret Potato Adventure Club, which my roommate liked to use. One of them was Turtle Soup. Uh, the the <laughs> the Turtle Well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that never ran dry. No, it did not. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I can't think of off the top of my head other... Hashtag turtles all the way down. Yes. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's cold in this house. I, that was a story I wrote in high school. Uh, some of my first forays into original writing actually were horror related. Like, I didn't write a whole lot of fanfic in, uh, in high school, but what I did write was, uh, 
Bionicle fan fiction for Lego Bionicle. <laughs> and uh, there were definitely elements of uh, that story that I, I specifically was going for, like a psychological thriller feel. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after I finished up that story, I wrote this chapter story called Just a Scratch, which was my first attempt at a werewolf story. And it was... It's bad. <laughs> the thing is... Quite all right. I'm flashing back to a story I wrote sophomore year of mm-hmm. high school. Um, mm-hmm. So I must have been 15 or 16 when I wrote it. Uh, no, 16 or 17 would have been sophomore, yeah? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. I... <laughs> It was, uh, it was then, um, a weird Jack the Ripper story that was like a bizarre HP Lovecraft ripoff. <laughs> Cause it was like, you know, the, the whole, like, very, very Lovecrafty trope of like, one madman telling a story to somebody who, like, doesn't believe him until the very end, like that, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And that was fucking awful. <laughs> I actually, I should see if I could dig that up. That's that's got to be archived on the internet somewhere. One of my friends put it on his website. Yeah, a ago. I, I was like, what? Sorry. No, 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 go on. Uh, I may as well come clean because now that now that oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm mentioning this, but just a scratch. You can probably still find it on FictionPress.com. Oh, you had a fiction press? Yes. I've had some terrible shit up on fiction press. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, like, I, I hesitated to bring it up because I'm like, oh, people are going to go look and see how bad I was at 13, but oh my gosh. Might as well bring out the old skeletons from the closet. Embrace it. Embrace I, it. I had like a couple chapters of this weird story about like the four horsemen living in modern day New York. <laughs> and that was awful. I didn't know how anything worked. <laughs> You're like 16 trying to write this shit. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a quasi horror story. Mm-hmm. It was it was weird. I had like very specific ideas about the four horsemen. It oh was, wow! No, it was not good. <laughs> I the actually the very first draft of uh, It's Cold in This House is up on Fiction Press. Really? Uh I I did like a sh- little short story collection on Fiction Press that had It's Cold in This House and Edgar Allan Poe ripoff. Uh and everybody has everybody has at least one Poe ripoff in it. Yeah. Car. This <laughs> this really in like in retrospect are really like goth emo poem kind of <laughs> um always good and uh i think one or two other things but oh man i like part of me wants to go back and look at it and the other part of me is like no no it'll be painful <laughs> i, I want to see if i can take that up my fiction press probably has the atrocious goddamn free verse poetry i wrote to my high school girlfriend on there oh no <laughs> it probably does <laughs> Oh, I made man. her like a collo- It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh man. Yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my first forays into writing were uh, were horror stories. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know. It provides a it provides a comforting structure 
Yeah. Because, like, when you're when you're just starting out, it's like, oh, well, you know, it it's, it goes, and then there's the twists, and then it ends. So I know where it ends. <laughs> like, like a lot of the short stories I write now, I say as though I'm pumping them out. <laughs> the, the, like, the like couple I've touched in the past, got like five fucking years. Dude, I haven't written prose like fiction in over a year, probably. Yeah, I I got. Uh, I got a little bit of a way into an anorimo this year, but what we're trying to say is we are incredibly ready to talk about writing horror stuff. So ready because <laughs> we're so active in our writing careers. So, so active, I tweet a lot. Okay? Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm writing like three thousand words a week. They're not horror or fiction related, but <laughs> and they kind of make me hate my life sometimes. But hey. But anyway, occasionally the things I write will be slightly horror related. I was, uh, uh I, Ian and I both write for a living in mm-hmm. case anybody's, anybody doesn't know. So we do write a lot. It's just worthless trash. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree with this sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> but like the corporate like mandate of how our prose is supposed to be at my job is just absurd. So I was like venting the other day and our team has like a group chat of like, I, I basically, I had a sentence that was like perfectly, it was very clear. Mm-hmm. It was very, very clear what it was supposed to be. Um, it was something along the lines of like, it, it was about, uh, snow removal, like commercial snow removal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like the last thing you want is for a customer to slip in your business's parking lot. Mm-hmm. And they were like, please. Please revise this for clarity. I was like, it's fucking, that's what, <laughs> how can, so, <laughs> it's like, all right, this is, I was working on like a mechanics shop as I was, as I was getting this feedback back. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so here's my next sentence. It's like, um, you ever think about like what would happen if uh, <laughs> a bunch of shrews Hyperintelligent shrews gain sentience before humanity did, like they beat us to the sentience cake, and then like today we would live as a bunch of naked apes in shrew zoos. Buy a car. I think I texted you. I was like, for for my job, I'm also sort of doing ad copy type stuff, and I was talking about fishing equipment, uh, or like I, I think I was talking specifically about fishing waders. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I texted you about this. I I started one of the paragraphs of this thing off with. Wade off into the quiet of the stream. Oh, yeah, you did. That was excellent. <laughs> I was so proud of myself because, like, forever I've been trying to figure out ways to work in actually, in like, fun stuff into the writing. I'm like, oh, I can totally reference Hannibal here and get away with it and no one will know. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Big tangent. Big Horror tangent. writing. Horror <laughs> writing. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting, uh, 
moving forward in the timeline, because uh, uh, Theo and I, again, for those who don't know, we both went to the same college for creative writing. And one of the first things that they told us in our fiction workshop classes was that they essentially wanted us to avoid writing speculative fiction, not because they had any particular prejudice, although people could argue that Tom. they did. <laughs> Tom, 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 our, our professor, Tom, uh, he walks into the first day of intro to fiction and goes, all right, I don't want anyone under three feet tall in this classroom. And so basically, no elves, no dwarves, no hobbits, none of that. <laughs> um, but the, the reason they did it, I understand why they did it, because they wanted us to focus on uh, building character and uh, uh, na natural, organic storytelling. And uh, when you're writing speculative fiction, it's very easy to get caught up in the world building and the plotting and come up with stories that can feel a little mechanical rather than organic. Yeah, you find that a lot in, um, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, fantasy. And I, I think a lot of, there are people who dig that sort of thing, you know, more yeah. power to you if that's your thing. But, like, when I, I, I do get really irritated if I'm reading, like, a certain novel and they get just so caught up in, well, this is how my world works, and here are the rules of magic here, and this is how this works. And it's like, that's, it's great. Um, but, like, who are these people, man? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that's also something very easy, which is, you know, as you were saying, it's kind of their point. It's very easy for novice writers to get tripped up on. Mm -hmm. Like, spending too much time with, uh, um, oh god, what is, there's a very easy word here, exposition. Mm -hmm. Too much time with exposition, uh, explaining how their world works and how their dwarves are different. <laughs> Instead of uh, actually telling us the damn story. Mm. And yeah, again, it's not to say that it's like, obviously it's fun to build your own world and we're not, we're not saying that that's a bad thing to do. It's just, it can get in the way of interesting storytelling sometimes. Yeah. No, this is true. Um, but in any case, for a while, I didn't really touch a lot of the fantasy or sci-fi or horror ideas I had. Um, and I, I'm trying to think. Like, I, there, like, a, most of my writing tends to deal with psychological themes anyway. But, uh, none of the stories I wrote for class in college, I don't think any of them I could say were specifically horror related. I actually didn't get back to horror until a few years ago. I was up in the Adirondacks and I had an idea for a story that I wanted to write. I'd been wanting to write a sort of like American Gothic kind of Lovecraftian type thing for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my first time writing prose in a long time since college. And also my first time writing horror in a while. And so that was a really interesting experience. Um, of uh, just sort of navigating this concept I had and trying to let the concept lead me rather than... Because I, I have a bad tendency of, like, I come up with an idea and I immediately know what the ending is going to be. And yeah. that can be uh, a hindrance sometimes, again, in letting the story develop organically. Oh, yeah, that can totally be a poison pill in your story because then you, you're strangling it the whole way trying to get it to where you think it should go. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that like I'm trying to figure out what what we should talk about. Like, do we want to talk about specific obstacles you can run into writing, or do we want to talk about specific stories we've written where we had experiences that taught us something about writing horror? Or? I mean, I think we could uh, we could we could roam around a bit. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, my my the first story I read to you guys mm-hmm. was a horror story. Um, that was actually a, a vampire story, but that was pretty simple and predictable. I don't remember the vampire story. Uh, it was just like a dude. Um, it's like a dude visiting his family in another city, and uh, he goes out uh, and cheats on his girlfriend and gets eaten. Oh, that was pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple, predictable story. <laughs> yeah, the stories I remember you reading in college were one a chapter from that that like noir detective story that I'm still you working on that by yeah, the way. <laughs> that it's you, my my eternal project, my gothic noir novel. Yeah. And then uh, the uh, the one you brought to Secret Potato Adventure Club a few times, the the Jersey one, I think. It it was or I don't know if it was Jersey, but it was about it, it was those that it, it, guy it, and that girl. I I remember this the word Cenobite being involved, and I remember at the time I had issues with it because I was like, "That's a really random word to have in a story." <laughs> <laughs> Which I may have given you too much of a hard time about that word specifically, but it, it was it was it's the bad. idea. I deserved it. I was a bad writer. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was. I remember the idea of the story being that these two people, like a friend of theirs, just passed away. They go to a hotel. I think they fuck, and then they think that, like the girl says, that she feels like they're cursed or something. Um, that, it wasn't immediately after. It was like two or three years after. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, it's like, yeah, it's just I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just feelings. Yes. <laughs> it's just feelings happen. That's it. That's this. There's no fucking plot. <laughs> yeah. It's like he gets drunk, and her clothes have safety pins, and feelings happen. <laughs> the title of my high school memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should have gotten a drink for this episode. I don't know why, but... <laughs> Um, cause the whole reminiscing aspect, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if we, if we want to talk about like specific stories we've worked on and like the different things, like the story I mentioned before, the one that I wrote up in the Adirondacks, I'd had this idea for a while of, uh, just like the image of, a rundown house on the side of the road that you can see, like, on any country road in in America. Just, like, one of those houses that looks like it could have been a nice family home at some point, but it's just sat in disrepair for so long that it's got, like, a condemned sign on the front of it. Maybe part of the roof is caving in, but somehow it's still standing and just looks really haunted. And, uh, that was all I had. I had that image, and I was like, I want to write something that about that image. <laughs> and so I came up with a, this character whose brother told him, oh yeah, we actually used to live in that house. 
uh, I don't know why we never told you about that, but yeah. And so this kid decides, hey, I'm going to go check it out for the hell of it. And so from a writing perspective, it, it was one of the few times where I, I really forced myself just to think about like five seconds into the future of what I was actually writing. So I had the guy get into the house and I was like, I don't know where he's going. Okay. Maybe he goes into this room, this room goes upstairs. There's a door covered in vines. Okay. That's weird. Goes into one uh, room. There's stuff there. Another room, the stuff in there. And then it was interesting because I didn't know exactly like when I got to the point in the story that I was writing at him standing in front of the door, he didn't know what was behind that door. I was starting to get an idea of what was behind the door. And I actually remember like, my heart physically starting to race and I don't know, maybe that's a little melodramatic or something, but I had him open the door and the image he saw was, it was part of the roof was caved in. And so there was some light casting shadows in the room. And then in the, there was a table with some like broken lab equipment on it. And then in the corner of this room, he sees a skeleton long decayed, that has these vines growing up out of it as if and intertwining with the bones as if it was its circulatory system. Mm. And the image I had in my head as I was writing that, once I finished writing that scene, I closed up my laptop and I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for tonight. <clears throat> And then the next morning I, I got back to it and I ended up writing, like, the rest of the story is essentially this guy going to his brother and then his dad learning about what actually happened in that house. And it ended up being this real, kind of a sob story. <laughs> like, literally, by the end of the story, these characters are just sobbing about their family. And I'm just like, when did this happen? I wanted to write something like Lovecraftian and now it's just, like, family crying. Okay. <laughs> You just described the entire uh, drafting process for the Southern Gothic. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fully accurate, but I wanted to make the joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <clears throat> but yeah, so that, 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 that's been my most recent foray into the horror genre. Honestly, like, I haven't, uh, I haven't written anything, like, written, written anything in the horror genre in a while. Like, I've scripted, like, D&D adventures that are sort of horror-themed. Mm -hmm. um, That's true, I have done that. But most of my writing is like, hey, here are these horror tropes, now let me do something that's not horror at all with them. Yeah. Like, the, the, three, the three pieces that I'm kind of juggling around working on, <clears throat> one of them... One of them has entirely to do with, like, Lovecraftian monsters, but it's, like, a cyberpunk thriller. Um, one of them is that, uh, like, noir novel that I've been working on forever. Mm -hmm. Um, that, again, is, is a lot more, like, kind of punchy, fast-paced, uh, like, noir-tinged detective story than anything actually horrific, even if it does involve, you know, vampires. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last one having to do with a meeting with the devil that's a romantic comedy. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> taking mm. taking our themes and playing with them in a different way. Um, that the project that we've been kind of talking about for a while. Oh yeah, that would definitely have uh, some horror elements. Definitely in the end, but even that I would think is more comedic. Even if it is grounded in real emotion. I would push it towards a horror comedy. Yeah, I like to think of it as... You know, set in the 50s. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as sort of like... Sam Raimi might be a little too extreme, but... Like, we, we did a whole episode on uh, horror comedies, or comedic horror... Horror movies that have comedic vibes to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of what this would go with. Like, it... like. For example, the trailer for Krampus, I actually, we're recording this the night before it comes out, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll probably see it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm probably going to see it because the trailer for that, I actually, I saw it before Crimson Peak and I was like, that actually looks like it could be really good, really funny, and really terrifying. Yeah, it looks really interesting. Although I am, like, kind of sick of Krampus. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of like, it was funny two years ago. Can we stop? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, they've got a lot of talented people involved. So and I, it, I really love the fact that they're using all uh, practical effects. Oh, yeah. It looks like. Like, seeing that in the trailer, seeing the dude up on the roof of the house and how gigantic he looks, like, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> um... And then, yeah, just the way that the trailer set it all up with it, it like, it starts off very much like a romantic, like a, a holiday comedy, and then it's just like, oh, fuck, everything is terrible. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Theo and I, the, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean, like, I, I'm trying not to harp on the whole job thing, so, <laughs> but, uh, like, uh, many months ago, when I was bored at work, I was listening to a podcast where, uh, the, uh, it was Evan Schletter's Magicorium or something like that. Evan Schletter, the a guy who's written a bunch of music for Thrilling Adventure Hour and a bunch of other stuff, he had this single episode of a podcast where he just sort of showcased some stuff that he had recorded but never gotten to use anywhere. And one of them was a 50s style, uh, like a uh, doo-wop song or like a heart and soul type song. Mm-hmm. And uh, the melody he played on theremin, which gave it this very eerie feel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that made my brain go, Hmm. What if you wrote a horror story that was like, uh, what if you wrote a horror musical that was like in the style of Greece, but like the anti-Greece? What if it was Lovecraft? I need to text Theo about this. <laughs> uh, and we planned like three quarters of the story that afternoon. Oh yeah, like it was it was like Christmas Eve or something. Yeah, because <laughs> I was about to leave to drive back to my parents' house, and it was like four solid hours of like rapid fire texting back and forth, just like. Oh, and we can have this character doing this, and like... Oh, and the monsters have to represent this big theme about society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
our, our imaginations got away from us, but that's not necessarily a bad thing all the time. <laughs> there's a there's a solid framework there if we can yeah. actually like get some time to sit down and break that story. Yeah. Um, I actually already came up with some tunes that I, I sent to you, but uh, who knows? Maybe I'll throw one of those riffs on the end of this podcast. Yeah, that'd be uh, pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned the idea of taking horror tropes and doing something not horror-related with them. And I, I'm sort of in that place with horror, too, because I think one of the difficulties of horror, which is one of the things I want to talk about, like the different difficulties that you can have when writing horror stories, one of the difficulties with it is there, there are so many examples of the wrong way to do it, and there are a lot of good examples of good ways to do it, but they all, like... There are some very comfortable places for horror movies to go. Like, there are vampire movies, there are werewolf movies, there are monster movies, there, there are all these different formulas and stuff, and oftentimes it's... I think the, the whole issue is the whole idea of, like, scaring. Scaring the audience. It's, it's, everyone has different ideas on how to do it, and uh, I feel like Especially with horror movies, if you're trying too hard, it's really, really obvious. Yeah. And, uh, like, each medium has different obstacles when it comes to actually creating uh, a scary atmosphere. Um, And, like, even then, atmosphere is a different way to talk about it because... But, like, talking about books, you, you can't really do a jump scare in a book... Comic books, I think you guys talked about on the comic books episode how, like, the closest thing you have to a jump scare is the page turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, those sorts of mediums obviously need to rely a lot more on creating an unsettling atmosphere or creating a psychological, uh, like, thrill, uh, a psychological situation. Um, I don't know what I'm saying, but, I think there's something. <laughs> I don't know what 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 difficulties have you run into when trying to write horror, if you can think of any in particular. I'm not sure. I mean, atmospheres. Atmosphere is not really something I have too much trouble with, but I think that's something I'm actually pretty solid at, just as a writer. Mm-hmm. Like it's not when I think about the things that I have to work on as a writer, um, evoking atmosphere isn't usually one of them that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'm usually pretty solid at that. Uh, I think tension. It, it's really difficult to meet out um, when you want uh, tension to rise and fall in a horror story particularly. I don't know. And it might be something that I just get, like, kind of too far in my own head about. Because mm-hmm. when I'm writing... When I'm writing stories that aren't horror... that even stories that have like horror tropes but aren't horror, I can, I feel like understanding how to um, build up and release tension is a much more organic process. But I think I get a little too intellectual about it when writing a horror story. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it like, totally makes the sense. Genre is kind of intimidating about that because if you lose that, there's horror, you're, you're almost expected to maintain this, like, baseline of tension the entire time. Like, you can release it for a second, but 
if you release it too long, it's difficult to make up that ground you've given up. Hmm. Like it's it's much more difficult than in uh, in another genre. You're you're sort of expected to maintain this level of tension across the story the entire time, which I think, you know, with uh, with my uh, you know um, proclivity for saying something. Uh, dickish or stupid to diffuse tension in real life. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it occasionally creeps into my writing as well, which is something, you know, that works if you're playing with tropes in like a comedy, not so much if you're trying to tell a straight up horror story. Mm. Yeah, what it, I, it, like I said, I haven't actually written a ton of horror, so I don't know how much. <laughs> I don't know how much insight I could say without sounding like a feeling like I'm just pulling it out of my ass. But of the stories that I have, uh, horror-related stories that I have written, I think I think with a lot of my writing, I don't specifically set out... I, I try not to specifically set out to write a horror story or a fantasy story or like uh, or, or a specific type of story. Usually I, I have an idea, I have a few characters, or I have a particular concept I want to explore, and if it becomes scary, then I guess that that's sort of where it ends up. But uh, yeah, the like I said, the the times that I try like start from a like go into a story with like okay, I want to write something scary. Uh, I'm usually bored with it a couple paragraphs in because I feel like I'm trying too hard. Um, I think a lot of times, specifically with like with prose and books and short stories and stuff, I think it's it, it's got to come naturally out of whatever you're writing. And and so like when I I guess I guess it might be better to talk about uh, that like you were talking about taking horror concepts and using them in different ways because it actually reminded me I did write a few kind of horror inspired things in my senior year of college. I did that. I did a, but uh, I did it. I did an independent study with Silas. Oh, I did as well. Actually. That was awesome. Silas was awesome. Yeah. Silas is the man. Um, but yeah, so, uh, basically for our, our school that involved uh, over the 14 weeks of the semester, we would write, uh, a story every two weeks or like basically, over the course of those 14 weeks, you would work on seven, seven different things and might be like, I think for him, he wanted to, at least five of them to be new stories and two of them could be redrafts. I think so, yeah. Um, but a couple of those stories were kind of horror related. Actually, more than a couple, because that was at a point where I was trying a lot of different stuff with uh, speculative fiction in a more general sense, not specifically horror, fantasy, or sci-fi. I was also trying kind of magical realism type stuff, because mm-hmm. I had been reading stuff like Amy Bender, uh, Salman Rushdie, obviously, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and so I was trying out things with, like, okay, this is obviously not something that could happen in real life, but trying to do something... Uh, I don't want to drop this word too often, but kind of literary with it. <laughs> Um, or just more, more about the human aspects of it than the fantastical aspects of it. Uh, and so one of those stories was this girl who started this scrapbook with her grandmother where they would send it back and forth each, to each other and each of them would come up with a new page and then 
her grandmother passes away and uh, she uh, has the scrapbook and it, she keeps getting new pages from her grandmother like and her, it's like her grandmother is like scrapbooking her meeting Charon on the river sticks or stuff and stuff <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I really liked that concept. I workshopped it with Silas, and he was like, I mean, it's a cool idea, but does it need to be there? I mean, clearly you have this whole thing in here about the relationship between this girl and her mother and this idea of letting go uh, someone who's passed away. And uh, I don't necessarily know if you need to take it to uh, the fantastical realm to do that. Uh, and, uh, like, after I thought about it, I was like, you know, he's kind of right. And I, I think that's one of that is one of the difficulties that I have with I've had with speculative fiction in general lately, uh, in my own writing, and since I've been trying to write horror stuff specifically with horror, I guess, is justifying the need for the fantastical element, which you don't need to do in all writing, like. Yeah. Obviously, there's plenty of stuff that gets published where it's just like, hey, I felt like creating this fantastical world, and that's fine. But that, like, another one of the stories that I wrote in this independent study was a, uh, I was trying to do a different take on a werewolf story where essentially this guy, he, uh, it's a very ground, tried, I tried to make it a very grounded real world. It's this guy who went on a camping trip with his sister got bitten by a wolf, turns out it was a werewolf. And so every month he turns into a wolf and it's not connected to any huge mythology or anything. It's just something that happens. And so he has to be careful on those nights. And the story sort of revolves around this event where it's the night of the full moon. He uh, wolfs out and as he like his sister tells him to stay home, but he's like, no, nah, I don't want to stay home. And so he uh, as like a, uh, Basically, he looks like a regular wolf in his wolf form. He's running around, running through the forest. He runs onto a road and gets hit by a car. (laughs) And uh, the person who hits him, it takes him to the vet. And so in the morning, he wakes up in this cage at the vet. And the vet walks in and he's just like, what are you doing here? Because he's a human now. (laughs) And I really like that as a concept. But trying to... Justify it in the context of this sort of sibling story I was telling at the same time where this guy was trying to reconcile him being uh, a monster, for lack of a better word, with his sister having been uh, also kind of mauled by this werewolf, uh, even though she wasn't bitten and so the curse didn't transfer to her or something. I didn't get too deep into the mechanics. But it, like, I was trying a bunch of different things, which I'm proud of myself for trying, but none of it really came to a head at the end in a way that was satisfying. That is a good scene, though. I, like, like, that was. Taking a werewolf to the vet. That's a a pretty good scene. (laughs) Well, and then his sister has to come pick him up from the vet, and she brings a change of clothes for him because he was, he, transformed back into a human in a cage and he didn't have any clothes. <laughs> yeah, I, like, there are a lot of things I liked about the story, but whenever I tried to push it further into, like, okay, what's the actual meaning here? What am I trying to say with all this? It was not working. <laughs> 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 I, 
I, I should go back to that story because I do really like that concept. Silas's uh, Silas's independent study was actually the origin of my uh, girl and the devil story. Ah. Where? Oh yeah. I was like writing something, and his advice to me for my next story, he was like, "You're trying to do a lot of shit for your next story. Just have two people at one location." And I was like, "Okay." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I struggled, man. Yeah. I struggled hard. Uh, I think I remember you reading that story, or maybe showing that story to me now. Uh, that was I read it at my senior reading. I was actually pretty oh, proud. Oh yeah, that story right. got some solid laughs. I yeah, was, I was pretty proud at the number of laughs that story got. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the the entire thing is basically this uh, this girl who like works a shitty job and lives in her parents' basement, attempting to explain to the reader that her best friend is the devil, but it's not, like, a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think is an inherently funny concept. Yes. And, uh, which I'm kind of, again, now, trying to work into, like, a romantic comedy where the devil is literally, like, the best friend who's giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's like, there's that, and then there's also these layers about, uh, just like you know, the uh, the notion of free will and predestination mm. and that, that kind of bullshit. I think I want to think too hard about because I yeah. know whenever my like English lit brain gets going, I kill my fucking story. Oh uh, yeah, every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like dead. It's like that scene in fucking Tommy Boy. <laughs> Let me see if I can get those burners started up for you again. <laughs> but no, I, I know what you mean. And uh, like I, I, that, that also reminded me that one of the other issues that I had a lot with the stories that I wrote in college was we most of our classes were short story. Most of our fiction classes were short story classes because those are just easier to workshop. Uh, the one novel class we did have uh, was more about learning the discipline of writing on a regular basis than actual novel writing, which uh, that that class helped me write my rock opera. So even though I wrote crap for the class, it gave me the discipline to finish my rock opera. So that that was good. But uh, a lot of the one of the issues that I kept running into with a lot of my short stories was. You know, like almost always inevitably someone would be like, you know, this might be a better concept for a novel. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't have the attention span to write a novel. I mean, I want to, but every time I try, I just like, it's so exhausting. Damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to write a tight story that can just do a cool thing in a few pages, like the whole Edgar Allan Poe thing of the dream of a short story. And like, like that, that werewolf story I was just talking about. If I want to have this interesting developed sibling story among this werewolf story, then I should just make it a novel. So I have the time to flesh it out. But that always seems very intimidating to me because I have trouble with focus, as I've mentioned before. <laughs> 
ever got that comment in a short story class hmm. that this would be a better concept for a novel. Yeah, I don't know if it happened specifically in class, but I like I know that with I can't remember if you ever read or heard about the Jasper Hayes story, that story that I wrote in one of my I, classes. I think, I think I've heard about it. Like like it was infamous. Dude, I created <laughs> memes with my stories. It's cold in this house, Jasper Hayes because like if nothing else, I can I can it's a, com- it's a really good name, to be fair. <laughs> it's a really good name. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> if I have one claim to fame in our writing program, it's that I created memes with my stories. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I was running my Jasper Hayes story by, uh, TJ, I think, once, and I was trying to, I was talking about the different stuff I was trying to do with it, and he was just like, you know, you might have a novel here, or maybe it was Louis I was talking to, one of them, they were just like, yeah, you might have a novel here, and I'm like, ah. I mean, I do want a novel, but that's that sounds like a lot of hard work. I don't want to write a novel. I want to have written a novel. Exactly. <laughs> the bane of every writer. It's like literally every writer's thing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hashtag writer problems, man. Hash, yeah, hashtag writer problems. <laughs> I remember uh, for a... Uh, for one of my short story classes. Do you, do you remember the, uh, the story I wrote, Green Stick? No. It was the one that kept, like, washing back and forth in time as this dude gets lost uh, in the woods on, like, New Year's Eve. I do not recall the story. I may not have read it. Like, he's, like, at a party, and then he gets lost in the woods. Um, was his name Will Graham? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh... <clears throat> But um, I remember sending this story out for a workshop, and then one of the one of the people in the class, um, who we uh, <laughs> I remember in like Super Turtle Club, what have you, just being like, dude, this guy's critiques are the fucking worst. Just, <laughs> he doesn't know what it's like to people. <laughs> um, but uh. I remember him being like very, just like very blunt with me, like, like so we go through all this, and then the end is his friend is screwing his ex girlfriend, and I was like, well, yeah, that's that's what happened. Like, like walks in on him, he's like, and he's like this upset about that. It's like, yeah, he's fucking like, why? Fucking upset about? Yes, he's upset about that. Uh, I couldn't say anything, but I'm sitting there like, who am I? What? Yes, he's upset. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems like something to be upset about. (laughs) They broke up like a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) I remember just being fucking flabbergasted at that response. Were there people who agreed with him? I don't even remember, dude. Like it's one of the, like that is the bit that's stuck in my memory. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, he he was not old. he was kind of off base on a lot of things. Yeah. My heart went out to him, but he he wasn't the easiest person to yeah, get along with. Excellent prose and just terrible plot structure. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. If, but- he could, if he could channel that inability to people into, you know, very, like, unique 
and like obtuse characters, then it would work. <laughs> he was trying. He would try to write these like very naturalistic like stories, and it would just never work. Hmm. I do remember that. I was like, Dude, people don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had a lot of interesting folks in our writing program. That was like the person whose story involved somebody going out and buying bags of whiskey. Do you remember that? Uh, no. I I might. I it, it seems vaguely familiar. Oh my! I mean, I like part of me is also like I don't think. <laughs> Anyone from that program besides friends of ours would be listening to this, but like part of me, like in the back of my head is paranoid that like, oh crap, is someone going to listen to this and feel like we're shit talking about them? <laughs> I mean, a, a little bit we are. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my heart goes out to these people, but perplexing shit that got submitted. Yeah. I, I personally have submitted some perplexing shit to work. Yeah, I, 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 I've also done so. <laughs> it's, it's writing. It's, it's, it's college. It's a place to make mistakes. <laughs> I like to think I was kind to people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very, uh, cordial in critique letters. Hmm. But horror writing. Horror writing, though. Yeah, so, like, that, that's the thing. When it comes to writing, I don't know if I have particular issues with horror specifically, because I try not to get too caught up in worrying about the genre of whatever I'm writing. I more get caught up on, like, oh, is this concept too big for a short story? Or, oh, are all of these elements necessary? Uh... Would I be better off just writing a realistic story about this concept? <laughs> yeah. But I do think, I do think one of the advantages of speculative fiction in general and specifically horror is the ability to go, like we've talked about this before, the ability to go to these darker places or these Yes, sometimes melodramatic places, but there's you can find truth in them sometimes, and they can be they can be really powerful. And you might not have it's almost like a safe like I, I know that we've talked before about how it's almost a safe place to discuss these concepts without seeming like a complete psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anytime I've tried specifically to write a scary story, it it usually ends up more depressing than scary. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I remember, I, I, this wasn't like really a horror story, but I remember I tried writing in high school or, yeah, I think it was in high school or maybe it was college. I tried writing this story where I was like, okay, I don't write fun stuff ever. I'm just going to write a fun story about zombie killing. And so I had this first page of the, the first page is this guy going into a warehouse and just gunning down a bunch of zombies and having like a counter for how many kills he gets. And I'm like, yeah, badass. This is ridiculously over the top. And then on the very next page, he finds this dog in an alleyway and like the rest of its litter is kind of zombified, but he can tell that this one isn't sick. And so he takes it in and puts down the rest of the puppies. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Where did this come from? Like this was supposed crying. to be fun. <laughs> Why would I do this to myself? Exactly. 
Oh, man. <laughs> My brain sometimes. So yeah, I, since then I have not gone out of my way to try to write something fun because I know it's not going to end the way I want it to. <laughs> I can usually keep the keep the fun levels. I don't know. Hmm. When I when I write to entertain myself, it usually stays pretty light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I my brain is it like. I've tried to get out of this philosophy because I know, again, how it can lead to inorganic storytelling. But there, like, very early on, it was like, like the idea of a story having a message was driven into my brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, at, even when I'm just like beginning a story or something like a part of my brain is always seeing like, but what's the meaning here? What's it about? And so I'm like, shut up that side of my brain. They'll just, just feel it out. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do sometimes get buried under the weight of purpose. No, I, I feel the, the same burden way. of purpose. <laughs> I, I definitely feel the same way. I concur. Mm-hmm. I think like, One of my favorite bits of advice I've learned about writing in general, which I think think may have actually come from senior portfolio class, uh, was the idea of uh, I can't remember which writer talked about talked about this. It might have been like John Updike or Andre Debus or something like that. But the idea of uh, the image of uh, when you're writing, think of it like driving at night with the headlights on, mm-hmm. you can only see so far in front of you. So that sort of, uh, like, like I was saying with the story, I, like I was talking about before with the American Gothic kind of story, trying to let the story lead you as well as you can, which like, I don't, we, we haven't really talked, uh, sort of stepped back and talked about like the way that writers can be with stories about like letting the story, like, yes, a lot of it can sound really pretentious sometimes of like, oh, the characters talk to me or, oh, the story is leading me in this direction or something like that. But sometimes it's a, it's a helpful way to think about writing to let, to get yourself out of the way. On the other hand, it can be kind of pretentious sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, yes, it can be. <laughs> I always feel bad because, like, I'll say that and I'll be like, why do I sound like a dick when I say it? And Ray Bradbury sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm literally, like, it's most of the same words. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> the only difference between me and Ray Bradbury. There, somebody had to say it. (laughs) (laughs) That makes you sound like a pretentious dick. That was was the intent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Success. Success. Nailed that one. That makes up for my sleeping on the VeggieTales bullshit. Oh, jeez. I can't believe (laughs) We didn't even mention that on the podcast. For those who are wondering what a, <laughs> what he's talking about, 
out of nowhere. <laughs> I mentioned a quote on Tum- on Twitter today, and I just wanted to see if anyone would recognize it. It was from VeggieTales. Yes, I watched VeggieTales as a kid. Yes, I still, in retrospect, think of it as some of it as kind of funny. <laughs> they weren't terribly... They, they were actually kind of good about not being hor Like, okay, yes, they were preachy, but they had some funny moments, too. <laughs> I haven't watched them in ages. Maybe I wouldn't think that now. Anyway, I'm horror so- writing. <laughs> I spent far <laughs> too much time on this. <laughs> Trying to justify me bringing up VeggieTales. Which I didn't bring up. You brought it up. <laughs> this, this, this podcast is out of control. I'm turning it around. What can I say? I'm in a puckish mood this evening. <laughs> I don't think I could sustain a horror novel. Yeah. I honestly don't think I have the, the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really bad about killing off characters. Not that you, not that you have to, mm-hmm. but I, it's not something I'm good at. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah, actually I'm, I'm good at it when I do it. It's just, I have to force myself to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I I can't think of any stories I've written actually where a person died in the course of the story. I've written stories like at, most of if any of my stories involve death, it's usually after someone has died, mm-hmm. and it might even be immediately after they've died. But I can't remember looking back on all the stuff I've written ever writing a death scene. Which is interesting. I had something... There was a novel I wrote in high school where a bunch of people get, like, vaporized at a football game. Oh. But that doesn't count. That was all so bad. (laughs) That book sucked. (laughs) Okay, no. I did write one death scene, but it was... It was kind of a joke character... Going back to that Bionicle fanfic that I mentioned, mm-hmm. I was like 12, 13, 14 when I was writing it, when I first started writing it. And so I was like going, telling my friends about it. I'm like, oh, do you want to have a character in the story? Oh, I can include you as a character in the story. What do you want your character's name to be? And one of my friends was like, make a character named Wumbo. And I did. And that character ended up like, it was a, <laughs> Look, I, I'll wear the pretentious hat right now. It was a trilogy, and uh, in the, the final, <laughs> in the final installment of this trilogy, you find out that Wumbo is actually connected to these like ancient beings or something, and he dies on the page. And uh, it wasn't really a uh, profound or dramatic or poignant death. It was more of just a, like, fuck, we gotta figure things out quick. Cause Wombo just died. <laughs> Cause Wombo just died. Everything's going to shit. <laughs> and everything literally was going to shit. Like, the dimensions of time and space were getting torn asunder. Cause nothing can be low stakes in speculative fiction. What are you talking about? <laughs> I should go literally, to write. <laughs> literally impossible. 
That I, I'm pretty sure that's on like a, a a plaque in the offices at Bioware. Uh, every story needs to have a world ending. Uh, uh, <laughs> the world needs to be ending. That's what, that's my only issue with Bioware game. Well, I haven't played any Bioware games. I've only watched people play them, so I probably would have. There's a lot of things you could probably nitpick about those games, but they don't all have to be about saving the universe. Or saving the world. <laughs> Maybe not all of them are. Again, I haven't played a lot of them. But, and that's not even just a Bioware problem. That's a problem with a lot of video games. We need to be able to move away from the save the world storylines to get at really interesting stuff. I like Life is Strange. I have not played it yet. I yeah, was, fell apart a little bit, but. I was gonna watch Felicia Day's Let's Play, and then I found out she talks through most of it, and I'm like, this game looks interesting enough where I'd either want to watch a walkthrough where they don't talk over all the dialogue, or I should just play it myself. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So you've never played a Bioware game? I played the, I played Dragon Age up until I became Grey Warden. And then, like, again, I have trouble with big storylines like that. And as I've come to discover recently, Part of that comes from having ADD. <laughs> so whenever I see open world games like Dragon Age or Mass Effect or Skyrim or Fallout, I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. I would have no idea what to do with myself. And that's what happened with Dragon Age. I got as far into it, it like I got up to becoming a Grey Warden, and then I'm just like, there are so many different things to do. I'm going to come back to this later. And then I never went back to it. That's kind of happened with that. That's why I picked up Fallout New Vegas rather than Fallout, Fallout 3 when uh, I got my PS3 because I was like, well, New Vegas kind of has a specific storyline to it, so maybe I'll be more motivated to finish that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have, or like multiplayer games. Most like Arena or Gladiator, not Gladiator, but like, First-person shooter multiplayers, I I have no time for because it's just like shoot people, die, rinse, repeat. I need like a, a specific goal or something. That's why I liked Left for Dead so much because it was like okay, there's a specific beginning and a specific end point that I can work with. <laughs> shooting people to see who's better at shooting people, I'm I I'm not good. I'm not, I I I don't enjoy that. I tried in college. Because it was a way to hang out with people, and I always left those sessions just like, yeah, that wasn't really that fun. I mean, maybe if I wanted to spend a lot of time getting good at it, maybe it would be more fun. But I don't, I don't feel like that. <laughs> I don't feel like doing that. Yeah, I hear you. And we are straying far from the horror writing topic. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that was you this time. That was totally me. Yeah, I don't know if there's any specific anything. Anything else that I want to bring up? I don't know if we came to any particular conclusions about horror writing. I don't know if we made... We made some points there. Yeah. There in that mess. Um, there was something, but I'm, I'm blanking on it now. How, how much do you need to be thinking about incorporating fear or trying to scare the audience? Do you think you should be spending any time at all, really, or just hope that it naturally comes out of the story that you're telling? I really... I, I would lean on the second one. Mm-hmm. I mean, just but I mean, that's that's also from my perspective, like mm-hmm. because 
anytime I'm actively trying to do something, I'm always fucking something up. Yeah. That's just me, too. me as a, that's me as a writer. I think like, that I know, would venture to say that's the way it is for a lot of writers. Yeah. Like whenever I'm actively trying to do something, I know I'm going to have to go back and fucking fix this later. Mm. Like <clears throat> when I just put shit down, like on the page, the prose isn't always as good because I haven't like machined it in my head 300 times, mm-hmm. but I can fix the prose. At least the skeleton that I have down there, I can work with, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm overthinking it, I always end up going back and switching something out, you know, flipping shit around. Yeah. I did actually just remember something I wanted to bring up. Uh, cause if, if, uh, probably a month or so back on Facebook, uh, one of our friends was talking about the difficulty of writing a horror story because he was writing a gothic story for a class of his. And uh, I sort of, I can't remember what I commented on the post about, but uh, he was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not really frightened of things, so I don't think I'll be a good horror writer because of that, or I'll write good horror stories because of that. And I, I was like, Okay, first of all, bullshit. Everyone's afraid of something. Just because it's not spiders or tight enclosed spaces or one of the typical ones that you hear about doesn't mean you're not frightened of things. Yeah. But I guess one of the things I I did want to ask was... Well, there are two things I'm thinking about. One, what it takes to be a horror writer. Like, do you think anyone can be a horror writer? And two, the dangers possibly when you're writing horror because i know that one of the things that i've run into when writing certain things is that like i'll get and stephen king talks about this i think i haven't read on writing or really any of his stuff about writing but i i feel like i've read or heard somewhere about how like there's certain times he'll be writing things or for i would suppose it's this way for a lot of horror writers you get into dark places and that can really fuck you up sometimes yeah and sometimes you need ways to get out of that. So, like, there, of course, now that I was like, oh, we should probably finish up, I think of five billion different things to talk about. But <laughs> one, what do you think? It, do, do you think, what do you think it takes to be a horror writer? What, what do you, what sort of mindset do you have? And two, is it dangerous being, like, writing horror? How dangerous might it be? <laughs> I do think anybody, I think anybody could write. Like, mm-hmm. if you've got the time, you can write. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <clears throat> King talks about this in, uh, in On Writing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back. I, I read On Writing years ago now. I, I should go reread it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I've heard it's really good. It's a very, it's a very, very, um, like, I want to say, like, blue-collar approach to writing. Which, I mean, makes sense. The dude, like, worked in an industrial laundry to push, like to support his family and wrote on the side before he, like, hit his big break. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just a very practical, like, look, this is what you need to do, man. Um... And it's not, it's not like that prescriptive though. It's not like this is how you be a writer. It's like, I don't know. 
here's what I did, and this has worked for me. But it's it is very like plain by the numbers, kind of like this is this is how I became a writer. This is what worked for me. Um, <clears throat> but he has this whole thing about how like uh, you know talent talent is almost meaningless. Like you know talent gives you a club, and what you need to write is a scalpel. Um, so the only way to you know get it there is to wear it down. It's like talent gets you one step, but like actually sitting down and fucking working on it is degrees of magnitude more important than any natural talent you might have for it. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it's just, that's true, I think. Um, I don't know. That's been my experience, but... And, uh, as far as the... As far as the dangers of being a horror writer, I don't know. Because you can get in dark places without writing horror. Yeah, that's true. So... I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on this uh, meandering walk through the woods of horror writing. Um, it's probably something we can touch on again in the future. Uh, we definitely didn't uh, we didn't tackle everything we could on horror writing. This is a rich and abundant vein. Uh, so we can definitely come back to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, uh, you just hang out for a couple minutes, you'll hear the ways you have to contact us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to talking to you next month. Um, I think that's about it. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no. That, I might throw some music on the end from the uh, aforementioned Lovecraft anti-Grease mu- 50s musical idea that we have. <laughs> really should like sit down and break out that story yeah yeah because I, I i've got plenty of music ideas it's just hammering out songs well uh maybe we'll plan a weekend or something yeah yeah good night everyone this has been a matter of taste if you'd like to get in contact with us email us at a matter of taste podcast at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at AOMOT Podcast. Find full episode posts at a matter of And follow us as a matter of taste podcast on Tumblr, Facebook, and iTunes. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah.